you turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, to the book of Proverbs, we take a break from the book of Acts this morning to look at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. Our scripture reading will come beginning in verse 8. Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 8. The Word of God reads, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments around your neck. Let's bow together in a word of prayer before we begin our study once again. Father, what a joy it is to come and hear hear your word, to join together as we desire, Lord, to honor our mothers. Father, we pray that you would grant to us wisdom and help us to have understanding that we might live wise and righteous lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Last week, I read a story about uh, an elderly woman who walked into a country church, and like many churches, they have ushers there, and a friendly usher greeted her at the door and helped her up the flight of stairs, and he asked her, where would you like to sit, ma'am? She answered, the front row, please. The usher said, well, you really don't want to do that. The pastor is really boring. He's a real sleeper. I just thought I'd let you know. The woman asked, do you happen to know who I am, young man? The usher said, no. He said, I'm the pastor's mother. She replied indignantly. The usher said, do you know who I am? She said, no. He said, Good. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day to all of you. All of us are not mothers, but all of us came from a mother. Proverbs provides for us principles of wisdom for godly conduct, and that's what we're going to be looking today. Godly conduct and how we relate to our mothers. I looked up all the passages related to the word mother in the book of Proverbs, and there are 14, and I grouped those that are similar together, and out of it came seven principles. Seven principles as we look at the book of Proverbs, all of the Proverbs that speak of our relationship with our mothers. This is what we will be looking at today, <clears throat> and all, many of them speak of things that we are not to do not to do, but to make it a positive uh, application for us as we act upon these Proverbs, you'll find that I chose some that are um, things that we are to do in respect to the things that are warnings for us. Here, uh, the Proverbs are a form of poetry, and so when we look at poetry, we look at it as something that is a generality, but these are actions that we are warned about doing or not doing. 
And sometimes you'll find that a particular Proverbs will have uh, something about the father and the mother. And when we look at this poetic literature, we look at it as one idea, not a separate action for the father and a separate action for the mother. So realizing here as we look at the book of Proverbs in relationship to our mothers that, well, you might say to yourself, my mother wasn't uh, one who treated me well, or maybe you didn't know your mother growing up. But regardless of who our mothers were, we are to show them honor, and we are to show them uh, respect and obedience to the Word of God because it pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord. And it is a wonderful testimony of Christ's change within us, despite how others may respond or how others may have treated us in the past. And so today we look at these Proverbs in relationship to our mothers and how we are to treat them. And the first principle we see here is that we are to remember our mother's teaching. To remember your mother's teaching. Proverbs 1.8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Or Proverbs 6.20. My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Or Proverbs 31.1, the words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. Mothers teach us a tremendous amount, from how to count to how to cook, from reading to running, from whatever it may be. It seems like they have taught us a tremendous amount, from the time that you could talk to the time that you leave the house, they are always answering our questions. A survey just a few years ago in the UK involved a thousand mothers, and they found that mothers may be the most quizzed individuals on the planet. On average, from breakfast to afternoon tea time, this is the UK now, uh, the average stay-at-home mom faces one question every two minutes and 36 seconds. That adds up to about 105,120 questions per year. Well... The questions, they spike, of course, during meal times. And do you know who asks the most questions? Girls who are the age of four are the most curious, and statistically, they ask an incredible 390 questions on average per day. On the other hand, at their end of the spectrum, guess who asks the least? Boys at the age of nine. Well, according to the survey... The moms claimed that these were the top five toughest questions. This is the survey in the UK. Top five questions. Fifth, how do fish breathe underwater? Fourth, why is the sky blue? Third, what are shadows made of? Two, where does the sky end? And number one, why is water wet? Well, our mothers have taught us a great deal, and we are to remember the things that our mothers have taught us, especially when they are things that relate to life and wisdom and the Word of God. But they teach us things, and they often point us in the right direction as well. Not simply the things that they've taught us, but they've made us learn things that we would not have otherwise learned. Dr. Benjamin Carson, you recall, he was a candidate for the presidency or Vying for the presidency, I think he's director of HUD now, is a renowned surgeon at John Hopkins. He tells a story about his own mother, Mrs. Carson, who insisted that he and his brother, Curtis, write a book report every two weeks. 
This wasn't for school, it was for their mother. And Ben and Curtis dutifully obeyed every two weeks, turning in a book report. About the time that he was in junior high, he finally realized something that was quite shocking, and that was his mother couldn't read. For years, Ben had read books and scratched out reports. He assumed that his mother was checking every single word, but she didn't have a clue what he was saying. So consider this. Raised by an illiterate mother, Ben grew up to be a world-famous surgeon, featured in many articles, was author of several books. His illiterate mother didn't twist her hands over the fact that she didn't know how to read or give up hope on raising intelligent sons. Instead, she gave her boys what she had, interest, accountability, the courage to demand that extra work, and it paid off. And years later, when somebody asked Ben why his mother was living with him, well, even after he was married and had a family of his own, he said, you don't understand. If it weren't for that woman, I wouldn't be living here. She earned this. So much of what we have learned has come from our mothers. And it would be good, as the scriptures tell us, to remember the teaching of our mothers, not to forsake what our mothers have taught us, because they have come from a life of wisdom, learning from mistakes, and learning that we would be wise to apply many of the things that they have taught us. Secondly, the Proverbs tell us not only to not forget the things our mothers have taught us, but secondly, not to despise but admire our mother. Not to despise, but the opposite, which would be to admire our mother. Proverbs 15.20, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish one despises his mother. Proverbs 23.22, listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs 30, verse 17, an eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. <clears throat> to despise, that word means to scorn, to reject. That's what it means. What is in view here is that we are to listen to the wise advice of our mothers given that we are to remember their instruction. But on the negative side, not to look down upon one's mother. We're not to reject them, not to scorn them. The idea behind Proverbs thirty seventeen, which says, The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. The idea behind that is that it comes from the idea that the, the way that somebody looks at someone else, such as with contempt, looks at them disdainfully, looks down upon them, scorns them, simply shows the condition of their own inner attitude. And it does not honor the other individual. Of all the people who know us the best, sometimes our mothers know their children the very best. They know their inclinations. They know their vices. They know their habits. They know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. And they can foresee danger around the corner and give wise counsel. There are many reasons why people may despise or reject their own mother. Sometimes it's because of cultural differences, the ways of thinking between a different culture and this one here. Sometimes children can become prideful 
After a time, because of their education and their parents, perhaps not being educated, may cause them to look down upon their parents. Here in the Bible, it tells us not to look down upon them because of a difference in age. And with age comes all sorts of trials that can come to one. It says, do not despise your mother when she is old. A tongue-in-cheek saying that is sometimes said is, well, when you're a teenager, you're the smartest person ever. Meaning that, well, many times when we grow in our teenage years, we think we know how to drive better or make decisions better, or we know how money works, or whatever it may be. The truth of the matter is, the older you get, the more you realize, A, how much you need to learn, because B, how much you don't know, and you don't have all the answers, but don't despise or scorn our mothers. And as our parents age, they will face all sorts of circumstances and trials and difficulties. They'll become more forgetful, they'll become more frail, they'll become more feeble, sometimes even emotionally or challenged mentally as well. Don't despise them by being impatient or frustrated or angry. I'm sure that they wish that they were as strong as or vibrant as you are now. Most people, including us, will become that someday. They'll become more feeble, we'll all become more frail, and we'll all forget if not already. Well, on the opposite end of despising, we can admire them for many of their strengths and appreciate our mothers because so much of what we have learned from our mothers is not simply because of their teaching, but by their very example that they have provided for us day in and day out. Bill Fix of Taylor, Michigan, shared a testimony about his mother, and he said, quote, Mom grew up around the coal mines. Here where daddy worked, deep in the mountains of Virginia. She came from a large, poverty-stricken family, so she learned how to be content with little. Dad and mom were poor by the world's standards, but as a kid growing up, I didn't know it. We were rich in so many ways. Dad had two, sometimes three jobs, so mom could stay home and be a full-time mommy to her five children. She hummed softly as she went about her work. It was as if she blocked out all the bad news, out and contemplated what was good and right and lovely. She was always living in the present, fondly reflecting on the past and looking forward to the future. She found that in the present there was love, in the past there was joy, and the future there was hope. I will not forget the day, though the doctors told us mom had terminal cancer. I was devastated by the news. Things did not seem to change for mom, though whenever I visited her, she was busy cooking and baking, doing a load of clothes or sewing or working on something else. As she worked, she hummed a tune that seemed so beautiful to me. When I spoke with her about the cancer, she was calm. She told me, that this was really not her home. She said she had a home in heaven and that she would be going there soon. She told me not to worry, that she would be all right. Although that brought tears to my eyes, she continued to hum. I saw a beauty in my mother that I had never seen before. In her affliction, became, she became radiant 
When she died, she was 59 years old. I've replayed her words many times, quote, This is not my home. I have a home in heaven. I'll be all right. She is at her eternal home today. Since that time, I have become a pastor of a church where I've had the opportunity to see many people like mom go to another home. As I minister to many of them, I'm reminded of her, afflicted yet radiant, unquote. We're to remember the things that our mothers have taught us, not to despise her, but to admire her, because many of the things they've taught us, they've taught us by example. And so, God has provided a way that we might know and have an example to follow. Thirdly, we are not to curse our mothers, but compliment them. Not to curse, but to compliment or encourage Proverbs 20.20 tells us, He who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. Or Proverbs 30 verse 1, There is a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. You see, an attitude that despises or looks down or scorns will generate speech that is wicked. And here we are talking about the speech that is offensive and wicked. In fact, this was such a serious offense that in the book of Exodus, Exodus 21:17, he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And in Leviticus 20 verse 9, if there is anyone who curses his father or his mother, he shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother, his blood guiltiness is upon him. It was such a serious offense in the Old Testament that the consequence would be death. God (coughs) may take a person's life. As it says, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. The Bible says that there is one who does not bless his mother. And the antithesis, of course, is that we are to bless our mother As it says in Proverbs 30, verse 11 to 13, there's a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. There's a kind who is pure in his own eyes, yet is not washed from his filthiness. There is a kind, oh, how lofty are his eyes, and his eyelids are raised in arrogance. The person who is a proud person and thinks they are pure. They are arrogant, and they think highly of themselves. They lift their eyes up. That's what it says. And they do not compliment. They do not bless. They do not bless their mother, but they maybe even in their heart curse her. You might think, well, I'd never curse my parents. Do you speak to your mother in such a way, even in your heart, that would do so? Hateful words because you're angry or disrespectful or offensive, things that would not bless but would hurt practically, though how often do we simply thank them, thank them for the dinner that they've made, for washing your clothes, for driving you to school, or for taking you someplace, for giving you money for that special thing that you need, or whatever it may be, how often is it that you bless her? Except on Mother's Day, do you often say thank you and appreciate them for who they are or even offer to help when they have had such a terribly busy day with all of the things that they juggle? 
Sometimes God has granted to us opportunities, many opportunities to bless them. So remember our mother's teaching, don't despise, but be a person who, when they get older, be very patient and bless them. Fourthly, it says in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, do not steal from, but instead, perhaps give to your mother. Do not steal from, but give to your mother. Proverbs 28, 24 tells us, he who robs his father or his mother and says it is not a transgression is the companion of a man who destroys. Transgression means to sin. And the proverb may refer to somebody who's trying to prematurely gain perhaps an inheritance, perhaps by pressure or legal means, perhaps rationalizing that it will be theirs in the future. That's what some one commentator thinks that this proverb refers to. Whatever it is they have chosen to take from their parents what is theirs, or perhaps even withhold from their parents, for it is not uncommon in the New Testament, as Jesus had told the people in Mark 7, verse 10, 13, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother. He who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever I have would help you is Corban, that is given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down and you do many things such as that. Now, what Jesus was speaking of was in the time of the New Testament was that there would be this procedure. Corbin means devoted to God. And what was happening in that time was related to material things or related to money because there was a Jewish tradition that existed back then that arose among the people in which people would be able to declare, declare their money or their funds Corbin, and by simply by virtue of saying it over their property or over their money, they would promise to use that for the Lord. In other words, it was dedicated to God and it would not be able to be used for any other purpose. So when their needy parents would come and they would ask for help, perhaps they were older, perhaps they were, you know, in need, and the person would say, Corbin, all my things are Corbin, and those things would be dedicated to God, and he'd turn and he'll say, I'm sorry, those things are not available because they're dedicated to God, I can't give you anything, and it would make them look religiously pious on the outside. The reality was that those things belonged still to them, and they had a great management over them still. And in fact, there was even the caveat that they could reverse that promise by simply saying Corbin over the same money, over the same possessions, and it would revert back to them. And so for self-seeking purposes, they found a way to circumvent giving to their parents. They would say Corbin when their parents came, and then, well, they'd reverse it. They would be back underneath their own control. In other words, they would dishonor their parents by not giving to them, not providing for them. The Bible tells us, however, on the other hand, when our parents are widows, 1 Timothy 5.4, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Children, grandchildren, we are to 
practice piety, providing for widows or mothers or, or those who are grandmothers because this pleases the Lord. But today, theft from parents, as our original proverb said, theft from parents is not uncommon. Sometimes theft from parents occurs because a child has gotten into debt, because of drugs, or because of some wrong sense of entitlement, or children will steal from their parents outrightly. And one of the more recent trends for children to commit theft is by identity theft, fraud, stealing their identity, opening up accounts, taking the money, leaving their parents in debt. And it goes both ways. I know that some parents have stolen their children's identity, but to steal from one's parents is a sin. There is no good reason why parents, there is often, I should say, good reason why parents don't give things to their children at particular times. So if you don't have something, well, it may very well be for a good and wise reason. Because sometimes parents and mothers will withhold things from their children because they can see how it might spoil them, or maybe how a child might not be mature enough to handle it with self-discipline, or a lot of things these days, they may withhold it because they can see that they might become easily addicted to that or attached to it. So if they say no, many times it's for very good reason. So we are to, as we see in the book of Proverbs, remember our mother's teaching. Don't despise, but admire her. Don't curse, but compliment. And don't steal, but give. Fifthly, do not be spoiled, but submit to your mother. Do not be spoiled, but submit to your mother. Proverbs 29, 15 tells us, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. The word for rod refers to a stick that is used for walking or discipline or guidance. And the word for reproof refers to correct or rebuke. Both physical and verbal discipline are in view here. Disciplined children will bring about wisdom. And will bring about joy, as verse 17 down in Proverbs 29 tells us. Correct your son, and he will give you comfort. He will bring delight to your soul. But in contrast, in verse 15, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. In other words, if you're a child, you're dependent, and you're always arguing with your parents or fighting with your parents or talking back to them, getting your own way most of the time, well, that is a shameful and disgraceful pattern it is a shameful thing to always be fighting and to get your own way. You bring shame, you embarrass, you make them feel terrible. It is a disgraceful thing, and it displeases God when we dishonor our parents by fighting always to get our own way. Author and minister Bob Russell writes, When I was a teenager, my mother had a rule. Don't ever bring your girlfriend to our house when no one is here. And I'd always say, Mom, why? Don't you trust me? She always had the same answer. No, that's too much temptation. She did not say, it looks bad to other people. I don't trust her. I, don't, I do trust you. She, she said, no, that's too much temptation. I would act like I was really hurt. My mother doesn't trust me. That's terrible. I'd walk away, and deep inside I would think, my mother is pretty sharp. She knows what I'm thinking. 
My mother believed in the sin nature, that it needed to be restrained more than my self-esteem needed to be boosted. Otherwise, maybe I wouldn't be here today, unquote. We're to honor our parents with the right attitude, without talking back, without anger, without arguing. It's good not to get your own way many times. In due time, you'll be older, you'll have opportunities, you'll have lots of opportunities to make choices later in life. But for now, show that you are wise. That's the first part of the verse. She talks about wisdom. And when you show wisdom and when you show maturity, well, then your parents will give you more freedom. So remember your mother's teaching. Don't despise her, especially when she gets older. Do not curse her. Do not withhold blessing. Do not steal, but give to your parents. Do not be spoiled. And sixthly, do not abuse or drive away. Do not abuse or drive away, but love and accept your mother. Love and accept your mother. Proverbs 19.26, he who assaults his father and drives his mother away is a shameful and disgraceful son. To assault means to devastate or, draw, or destroy and to drive away. They're applicable to what is done to people. That is, when someone does violence to his father, assaulting, abusing them, or abusing could be verbal or physical abuse, driving them away, shameful disgrace. It begins in these sets of Proverbs, that which is for the thought and the attitude and then the look and then the speech and then the act, and now it comes down to abuse and driving them away. Such a thing is shameful and it is disgraceful. One ought to be ashamed if they have done things to their parents to forcefully coerce them so they can get what they want Sometimes this can happen by way of manipulation, by words of guilt, or by words of anger. And assaulting doesn't merely mean, like I mentioned, some sort of physical abuse. It can be an assault by a verbal assault, or by a barrage of hateful words, or whatever it may be. That's a shameful and disgraceful thing to do. Parental abuse, especially as parents get older, is very, very sad, and is very, very shameful, as it comes from a child who is entitled and proud and spoiled. They abuse their parents into getting what they want, and they drive them away. So, all of these negative commands, are there things that can bring joy to a parent's heart? Yes, and that is the seventh thing. A righteous and wise child brings joy to parents. A righteous and wise child brings joy to parents. Proverbs 23, verse 24 the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. In Proverbs 10.1, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. You want to bring joy to your mother? You want to bring her gladness? Then number one, come to the Savior Come to Christ. Realize what Christ has done on the cross for you, that he has died on the cross for your sins because God loves us and he desires that you would turn from living your own life to following Christ and come to the Savior because he offers you forgiveness of sins. He offers you freedom from the guilt and the penalty of sin. And he offers you eternal life. And he desires that you be a child of God who genuinely walks with Christ. 
be righteous, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness that Christ wants to give to us. Receive the Savior, turn from your sin, refuse to live your own life and follow Christ, become a Christian, receive the gift of eternal life. Live a righteous life, that's where it begins. Come to Jesus and live in wisdom, live in wisdom. Live in wisdom in honoring your parents. And we can do that no matter what age we are. Ephesians 6.1 tells us, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now, I realize that many of you are not dependents, and yet we can still show honor to our parents. A number of years ago, when First Lady Laura Bush, Laura Bush recalled visiting one night with her husband George at their parents' home, the former president and Mrs. Bush, she writes, George woke up at 6 a.m. as usual and went downstairs to get a cup of coffee, Laura said. And he sat down on the sofa with his parents and put his feet up. And all of a sudden, Barbara Bush, who is his mother, yelled, put your feet down. George's dad replied, for goodness sakes, Barbara, he's the president of the United States. And Barbara said, I don't care. I don't want his feet on my table. The president promptly did as he was told. For as Mrs. Bush observes, even presidents have to listen to their mothers. I realize again that We may not be bound in some circumstances when we're no longer dependents, but there are ways we can honor our mother, no matter how old or how young we are. We can show them honor, and what it does is it shows that we please God. No matter whether our mothers are good or not good or whatever it may be, we can show honor because of a transformed life that we have lived, because of a life that God has changed in our own heart. So we remember our mother's teaching. We don't despise, but we admire the things that God has done in and through her in our lives. We don't curse, not even in our hearts, but we can compliment and be grateful for our mothers. Not to steal from them, but to give to them. Even giving of our time or giving of our, ourselves to do and help. And not to be spoiled, but to submit. Not to fight for our own ways, not to argue not to abuse or drive away, but to love and to accept them for who they are, knowing that God has placed them in our lives for a particular reason. And lastly, to be righteous, to come to the Savior and receive Christ and to be a child of God and to live a righteous life and to live a wise life, a life that practices the principles and the scriptures. Do you know that will bring great joy? More than any gift you could ever buy, more than anything you could ever give to your mother that will bring great joy is a life that walks with the Savior. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for our mothers and we give you thanks, God, for the wisdom that you provide. For the Proverbs, Lord, that you have given to us that we might hear and honor you by obedience. And Father, we realize that all families, Lord, 
All mothers, all children, all of us are imperfect. So God, grant to us the strength that comes in following you. And as we do, Lord, fill our hearts with joy, genuine joy, genuine gratitude for who you are, what you have done, and for our mothers today. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.